0: Please be aware that True Crime by the Book may discuss topics, share opinions, and use language that could be disturbing or offensive to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Tidings and salutations, bibliophiles. Welcome to episode 19 of True Crime by the Book. A podcast where we talk about all kinds of shit and lately not a lot of books. But hey, I'm Tasha Pierce, your host, The Librarian, and today is another one of those days where I don't have a book to talk about because I'm trying to hold on to my cash and my sanity in, I guess, what we can call these trying times that we are living in right now. I hope this finds everyone doing well. I hope we have all done what we could to help flatten the curve wherever we are on the planet and today I'm gonna to tell you a story I guess we could call it a tale from the hood and I've got a, a recent review from uh, I believe it was murders and mysteries give me a second and let me find out the true name of our reviewer okay so that was mysteries and true crime that was the name of the reviewer and thank you so much for your very kind review one of the things that was mentioned in that review was that i have street cred and that's kind of haha that's funny to me there are people who are from where i'm from in gary indiana who will say oh tasha ain't got no street cred i've been through some shit, and this is going to be one of those stories i'm going to tell you a tale from the hood tasha in her younger days, maybe 10, 12 years ago. And matter of fact, we'll just say it was 2011 because that's when this story kind of took place. So in 2010, 2011, I was a, I guess what you could call a (laughs) barfly. I was the type of person who had this certain lounge that was in the neighborhood that I'd go to and hang out and everybody knew me, everybody knew my name. It was one of those things where you kind of build a community around this little bar and the name of the bar was Roxy's and I hung out at Roxy's for everything. And when I say everything, I mean, everything. I watched my football there. I watched my basketball there. Uh, We did karaoke. We had a poetry night. We did everything and it all just kind of centered around Roxy's. So if you will, I am the social butterfly who is always there. And if I'm not there, people look for me. Okay. And it's the same. I, there, were, there are other people who, if they weren't there, I would look for them. On one particular night, and I can't remember if it was uh, after a Monday night game or after or the day after that Monday night game, whatever the case, I'm a Bears fan, love Chicago Bears. And Uh, The proximity of Chicago to Gary, Indiana is like just like it makes Gary a suburb of Chicago. So, yes, there's an Indianapolis team, the Indianapolis Colts. I wasn't down with the Colts. I'm down with the Bears. Okay, so there was one night after the festivities were kind of winding down at Roxy's and the, the crowd was kind of thinning out at the place. And a guy came in actually two guys, but one of the guys, big football player looking guy. You know, I'm kind of attracted to those big guys like that. So he comes in and I'm still doing my social butterfly thing. I'm up dancing and and uh, after some time of him being there, he came and, and he uh, introduced himself to me and he said, my name is Robert. What's your name? And I told him my name and then he says to me, Yeah, you know, these are nights that I kind of live for because I play for the Chicago Bears. Now, I just told you that I am like diehard, especially at this time. I'm not so much anymore because I've moved to Houston and and everything that we get here in Houston is about the Texans. But that's okay. Because at this time, I'm still in the region and I'm like, no, you don't. You don't play for the Bears. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, how are you going to tell me that I don't play for the Bears? Blah, blah, blah. And then I started naming names and positions. And I'm like, so what position do you play if you play for the Bears? And he said, well, actually, I'm on the practice team. Well, the practice team is not the Bears. But, you know, attractive enough guy. Uh, fits everything, but you just walked up to me and, and pretty much lied to me to get a conversation started. But I still, I still was kind of, you know, feeling them. We talked for a little while and after some time I was like, oh, look at the time, gotta go. Because, you know, at this time I had a high, a high school age son at home. So, yep, gotta go. So, he's saying, well, you know, my friend here is who drove and I kind of want to make the night last a little longer. I want to, you know, talk to you some more. And, uh, can you take me home? Because I rode with my friend and I said, well, where's home? Because if home, honestly, if home was on that little stretch of road, it took me about four minutes to get from my home to Roxy's driving. If his home was within that four minutes maybe would have taken me out of the way maybe five minutes I might have taken him home not to my home to his home (laughs) but okay so he said he lived in Griffith and the way Gary is set up there's a lot of Gary and then on the other side of Gary there is Griffith so that's a city away so I basically said well no (laughs) I won't be taking you home because that is far out of the way from where I'm going. I'm going directly up the street, so I cannot take you home. You better catch your friend before he leaves. He said, well, can we ex- at least exchange numbers? So we exchange phone numbers. Now I've got Robert's number and he, I don't know how he got home. I'm pretty sure he rode with his friend, but I left. So now a couple of days pass and Robert calls. And he's like, what are you doing? What you doing tonight? Are you, you know, you're getting out? And I'm like, well, no, this time I was not getting out that evening. I was going to stay at home. So he was like, well, okay, well, you're going to watch the football game on Sunday. And of course, I'm going to watch the football game on Sunday. He said, well, let's make plans to watch the game together. I said, that's splendid, beautiful, brilliant. I watched the game up at Roxy. So if you want to meet me there around game time great because, you you know, you'll just be part of the crowd at that time. Sunday rolls around. And when Sunday rolled around, he called and he said, uh, you still watching the game today? And I said, of course I'm watching the game, you know. Going up to Roxy's in a little bit. He's like, well, right now I'm at a bar called the Copper Penny. Would you like to come to the Copper Penny to watch the game with me? Now, I have already told this man what my plans were and it had nothing to do with going to any bar called the Copper Penny. And I'm going to tell you about the Copper Penny. I told you Roxy's is four minutes away from my home. Then there's where he wanted to go, which is he lived in Griffith, which is 20 something minutes away from my home, maybe even more. The Copper Penny is in a city called Hammond on the other side of Griffith. So if I didn't want to drive 20 minutes to take you home to Griffith, what the hell made you think that I was going to drive all the way to Hammond to watch the football game with you? Again, I kind of reiterated, hey, I always watch the game at Roxy's. If I didn't show up, things would be a little weird. I'm going to watch the game at Roxy's. If you get a break, if you leave the Copper Penny, that's where you'll find me. So didn't go out with him that day, but I'm starting to realize that this guy wants me to do an awful lot of work to talk to him. And I'm a lazy bitch. (laughs) I'm not doing that kind of work to get acquainted with any man. I'm just not. He has to do some of the work. I'm sorry. So he called me again, uh, maybe a couple days later and was like, he's going to Pepe's. Pepe's is in Griffith, the city that he said he lived in, but I'm like, well, I do karaoke because Pepe's is known for having their karaoke sets and everybody, a lot of people, it's a, it's a a well-known place, but I do karaoke right up the street, four minutes away at Roxy's, so I'm like, well, no, so then this guy kind of gets pissed at me and tells me how I'm really not all that, and I'm not that hot, and blah, 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 and I'm like, well, that's, fine I'm glad you feel that way and I'm glad you let me me know that you feel that way because now don't call me anymore and that's really it that was my experience with Robert okay so maybe a week or so goes by and at this time I'm working in casino so you know we're all it's a bunch of old ladies sitting around and cackling with each other about uh, current events in the news now I had been hearing about a young lady named Jennifer Coxes, and Jennifer Coxes was uh, at the time 37 years old. So she was, you know, in my age range, a little bit, a little bit younger than me. And she uh, came up missing after going to Pepe's <laughs> on a karaoke night. And then this, was just like wow this is really odd you know that place everybody kind of knows each other is just just like Roxy's. you know so uh after we talked about it for some time and there comes a little time past and they say hey did you guys know that they got a suspect in the jennifer cox's case now jennifer cox's was 37 she was like one of those uh, respite, respite workers for the disabled, but she had also been a music teacher. So, she was just the salt of the earth type of young lady. So, a friend had the newspaper, opens the paper up, and whose face do I see staring back at me as the suspect in this crime but Robert? yes. Turns out Robert was a a killer, (laughs) but let's get into it. And it's not anywhere near funny. It's just how I felt like I dodged a bullet at that time. As we got into what exactly happened to Jennifer Cox's, it was like, this is his M.O. And there's no telling how many times he has used this M.O. to get women. He gets to Peppies with a friend. And I'm going to try to avoid saying friends' names and other names because a lot of these people I know. So he gets to Peppies in Griffith with a friend. And he is pretty much uh, harassing a lot of the, the, the women there. But he's basically being really, really upfront about it. Like, let's go home and fuck. Let's go home and fuck. Well, these women were like using each other or helping one another to kind of get rid of Robert until he gets to Jennifer. Jennifer came into Peppy's a little late, later than usual, but she definitely wanted to sing one song before the night was over. So she gets there. um, She puts her name on the list and she gets her song in because that's what all of us are there for, right? Well, Robert at that time started to chat her up. And according to witnesses, um he asked her to give her a ride home, give him a ride home because his friend was leaving. So the friend really did leave, and this is actually a gentleman that I am familiar with. I don't really know him, but not a bad guy. Friend did leave. So now Robert stayed and was kind of stranded at Pepe's. Well, Jennifer said, well, where do you live? He told her he lived near her in Griffith. She said, well, sure, I'll give you a ride, you know. And after the thing uh, turned out, the party was over. Everybody's going their separate ways. Uh, The surveillance cameras did show Jennifer and Robert leaving together. Now the next time anyone sees Jennifer, she's deceased. And if you know anything about Gary, Indiana, it's a it's a a city that is, I guess it's in a state of blight. There are so many, just literally hundreds, probably thousands, of abandoned houses and buildings that are just an accident waiting to happen. These buildings being there are attracting uh crime to these areas. And I lived in the Glen Park area. Um well no <clears throat> I grew up in the Glen Park area. I lived at that time in the Miller area, but in the Glen Park area, there's the Glen Park west side and the Glen Park East Side, in the east side of Glen Park, so a lot of blight a lot faster than the west side. I don't know why. <laughs> but On the east side of Glen Park, there is a school that was abandoned. And that is where the remains of Jennifer Cox's were found. Uh, She was badly beaten, bloodied, uh, half clothed. She had been raped and murdered and in a brutal, brutal fashion. So Robert at this time is the suspect and the likely the likely perpetrator. But let's tell how he got away with it for just a little while. He did get away with it for just a little while until the police were able to trace back this particular still image of him and Jennifer leaving uh, Peppies together. He kind of freaked out because of course he did not drive because he had Jennifer driving. So what it turns out is he overpowered her in the vehicle, had her to drive to this uh, abandoned school building where he raped and killed her. Then he called his girlfriend. Yes, this piece of shit has a girlfriend the whole time. And the thing about the girlfriend is she is very close to my family. Uh, for some time, my father and her mother were involved. So we all lived under the same roof for some time. But I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that this was who the girlfriend was. What it turns out, he calls his girlfriend to pick him up from his parents' house. So he walked from the school to his parents' house, covered in blood. Calls his girlfriend. She picks him up. She sees the mess that he's in and he tells her he got into a fight with a guy and things got ugly, but you're completely covered in blood. This is like, this ain't no regular fight, a regular fight. You might get some of somebody's blood. Like if I punch you really good in the nose and your nose starts bleeding, now I've got some of your blood on me, but I'm not completely covered in your blood. This was complete covered. So. She picks him up and she takes him to her house temporarily on the way. He's throwing his just discarding his clothes and shoes out of the window of her moving car so that he's not having any of this on him, even though this is an idiot, because his DNA, of course, is going to be all over his clothes. But he tosses out the clothes They go, for whatever reason, to a hotel. In this hotel, this piece of garbage still wants to have sex. So he has just killed a woman and raped her. But he is still insisting that this girlfriend has sex. And she says, no. I'm so shocked, surprised, but still glad that he didn't kill her too. So now police uh have gotten on to him they they found out that Jennifer had left the bar with this piece of garbage and they eventually uh find him and when they find him he's driving they take he takes them on a high speed chase and then eventually chase ends with him being arrested so now he's arrested This brings me back to where we find out that this is the person and I'm telling my friends at work at that time, this man has probably done this more than once. He may not have killed everyone, but he tried to get me the exact same way he got Jennifer. He wanted you or me, (laughs) he wanted me to take him two cities away which would put us in the car for with each other for at least uh, 20 to 30 minutes. And it just, because I'm such an asshole about not wanting to do the heavy lifting in the beginning of any relationship, that is what saved me. I did not want to do the heavy lifting. I was like, I'm not driving all across the world to see you when you know exactly where to find me. So, I was lucky. I was lucky for just being an ass. Jennifer on the other hand, a good person, a person who used her time to teach children music or to take care of disabled people. And she found herself uh, in the vehicle with a monster. They said that there were her teeth were embedded in the metal of her own vehicle. Because he must have bounced her head off of her car a couple of times. He really brutalized this woman. Now, coming back, now this thing is, is starting to to flesh out. We're starting to know what type of person this Robert Lewis the Third was. But he had a witness or he had an alibi. And the alibi was the girlfriend who I also know who I will not name she uh helped him burn stuff she helped him try to burn the keys to Jennifer's car after she found out that and this was all during the trial by the way, she defended him until she found out that he was actually a married man. That's right. He's a married man. I don't know his wife and, and I really wouldn't bring them, her or their children. Did They have three children. I won't bring them into it. But once his uh, quote unquote girlfriend found out about the wife, then she started singing like a bird. As it turns out, Robert was uh, convicted of the murder of Jennifer Coxes, and thankfully not the murder of Latasha Pierce, <laughs> but he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. That sentence actually did get turned over to eighty-eight years, I believe, because of uh, some stupid slip-up or mishap with the the trial judge. So the trial judge made some type of error. And it was in his language that caused them to be able to appeal the life imprisonment conviction and have it overturned to 88 years. But I think it's safe to say that we're not going to have to worry about this Robert Lewis III ever, ever again. But I think that it is safe to say that he's not the only person out there who uses this type of. Uh, of way to get to a woman. He kind of appeals to your, your vanity, tells you how good you look and all of this stuff and then becomes somebody who needs to be saved. He needs a ride home. That ride home, ladies, could be the last ride we take in our lives. So be vigilant. Keep your eyes open. And if a man got, to the club or to the bar or wherever you are, he can get home. There are too many other ways. This was, of course, before Uber or, or Lyft or had already taken off the way that it has now. But if he got to the bar, he can get his ass home. <laughs> Do not take a man that you just met home. This is not to say Jennifer was wrong. Jennifer was a good person. Jennifer hadn't been through enough shit probably in her life to imagine or dream that this could happen to her. And to be honest, I didn't imagine or dream that this thing could happen. But when I think back on how many times he tried to get me out of a comfortable setting where people know me, to go to a place where I'm not well known at all, to be pretty much alone with him. It is mind boggling. And then after I kind of kept shrugging him off, like, you know where I'm at, you know, you know, then he got really ugly with me and telling me how I'm not that hot and all of this stuff. That is a person who had a plan and, a and I foiled his plan. I fucked his plan up by not just following along. So, this is another one of those stories and how I could have been the victim of what I believe is either a serial rapist or a serial killer. And I've got way more stories than this. This is just one of many things that I've experienced in my life. And honestly, I guess uh, mysteries and true crime is correct. I, I do. I have that street cred. These things are, are things that I have kind of been one situation away from being a victim. I've been a victim of of a lot of crimes, but not these big ones like this. This one, I was one situation away from being one of his victims. And that situation was, uh, if I would have just said, you know what? I got 20 minutes. I'll take you home. It really would have taken 40 minutes because I would have had to come back. But The bottom line is, please, if a grown man makes it to the bar, he can make it home. He can get there. He can get there. If he really puts his mind to it, he does not need you to take him home. And, of course, uh, even still, after we went back to Roxy's and told, you know, the guys, hey, that guy that was in here that said he played for the Bears – that's who killed that young lady over at Peppy's. And everybody said, I got a bad feeling from him when he walked in. I got a bad feeling from him when he walked in. Or after he told you that Bears bit, I got a bad feeling about that dude anyway. I didn't get that strong of a vibe, but I got enough of a vibe. It's like, he's a liar. He's a liar. He, he would be somebody who you would just pass time with. But I, I didn't know that I was standing in the face of someone who was capable of committing such a heinous act. And Jennifer Cox has paid for her kindness with her life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be my episode for today. It's a little short, but it's a true crime tale and it is a tale from the good. And, uh, of course, moving forward, I will give you more Tales from the Hood. I've told you guys all about my horrible experience with domestic abuse. I told you guys now about this experience with a person who kind of stood in my face and plotted to, to do me harm, I guess. And he definitely was plotting because he used the exact same techniques to kill Jennifer. All right, and that's it. That's it for this week. I'm going to try to get a book read. I just haven't been feeling it. And the book that I really need to get behind me, the book and the docuseries is The Most Dangerous Animal. So we will be going into that. I think I will tell the story based more on the docuseries because then I don't have to concentrate on, I can just watch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, I told you I'm a lazy chick, <laughs> but that's it. That's all. Um, If you've got any stories, your own personal tale from the hood, submit that to me. I would love, love, love to tell your story as well. I'd also like uh, any feedback, any comments. You can send it to me at TC by TB at gmail.com that's tcbytb at gmail.com you can also find me on social media at tcbytb on all the things you can give me a donation if you got it it ain't tricking if you got it (laughs) you can do that uh there will be links on my website at tcbytb.com or you can find it at patreon.com Slash TC by TB. I have got nothing else for you this week. We're going to look forward to getting uh, the most dangerous animal behind us. We're going to put that in our review next week. Thank you so much for listening and uh, be safe, be still, be well, and wash your damn hands. Later, bookworms.